Uh, you ever heard of famous last words of people? Famous last words. Uh, I looked up some famous last words on the internet. Of course, on the internet, you find all kind of really wonderful things, uh, among others. But uh, blues singer Bessie Smith, blues singer Bessie Smith, her last words were this, quote, I'm going, but I'm going in the name of the Lord. That's a good, that's a good way to go out, isn't it? Marie Antoinette, the, the queen of France, who is going to the guillotine for her head to be chopped off. She actually stepped on the foot of the executioner, the guy who's going to chop her head off. And her last words, pardon moi, <laughs> which means pardon me. Harriet Tubman, the Underground Railroad, delivering numbers of people out of slavery into freedom. When she was about to pass, she gathered her family and they sang together, Swing low, sweet chariot. Then there's baseball player Mo Berg. I never heard of Mo Berg. You may have heard of Mo Berg, but his last words before he took his last breath, how did the Mets do today? <laughs> famous last words. Well, there's some famous words of David. We've been talking about David now for several weeks. And, and as Al mentioned, next Sunday, when we have our combined worship service at 10 a.m. in the gym, we're going to take... Some. I, I, I had to whittle my list down, Al. We've we whittled our list down, and, and we're going to look at some of the Psalms of David that have been put to music. And we're going to expound on those Psalms and share some things about each of those Psalms. And we're going to sing together the wonderful songs and Psalms of worship that God inspired David to write. It's going to be an awesome worship experience. I look forward to you being there, but, but famous words of David, among others, is Psalm 27 and verse 4, where David said, One thing I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. Now, if you'll... If you'll read that and study that and meditate on that and make that your prayer, it'll change your life. Just that one verse, Psalm 27, 4. You have my permission to listen to nothing else I say today if you promise that you'll meditate on that one verse, Psalm 27, 4, and commit it to being a prayer of your life. If not, then just listen to the rest of what I'm saying. We've been looking at the life of David. We've taken the life of David. We've gone with David from being out in the field to, to being called in to the battle with Goliath to how he's treated his children to how he's treated marriage. We've talked about how David has, has engaged in sin and been, been forgiven of sin, how he's a man after God's own heart. And we've just gone over several events in the life of David. And today we come to the end of his life. The end of his life. And today we're going to be looking at the last words of David that are recorded in the Bible. We're looking at 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles there in the Old Testament, chapters 28 and 29. 1 Chronicles 28 and 29. Of course, we won't have time to go over all of it. I would encourage you to read and study it on your own outside of our time together. But in, in 1 Chronicles 28 and 29, David is preparing to hand off the kingdom to his son Solomon. He didn't wait, he didn't just bask in the glory of being king and then die and then let the kingdom figure out what they're going to do next. He was making preparations 
for the day that he would no longer be the king and be alive. He uh, had selected Solomon to be the successor. He was putting a lot of things in place so that the kingdom would go forward after he's gone. What a great example that is for us to make preparations and recognize life goes on for others even after it ends for us. And so David was making those preparations. And in 1 Chronicles 28, at the very beginning of the chapter, what we're told is David had gathered a large assembly of people and is making his farewell address. And starting in verse 1 of 1 Chronicles 28, it says, David, David assembled at Jerusalem all the officials of Israel, the officials of the tribes, the officers of the divisions that served the king, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, the stewards of all the property and livestock of the king and his sons, together with the palace officials, the mighty men, and all the seasoned warriors. In other words, everybody who was anybody was gathered together for David to make his final and farewell address. In fact, this is known in Scripture as David's farewell address. In, in chapter 28, all the way to verse 20 of chapter 29, David shares this farewell address, and it's generally broken down by the, by the scholars into two parts. The first part, in verse 28, David gives instructions for constructing the temple. He makes it clear, I want to build the temple, but God said no, because I'm a man of bloodshed. But in advance of knowing that Solomon will build the temple, I've put everything together. All Solomon has to do is to carry it out. And he gives, in the, in the presence of all these people, he gives instructions for the temple and challenges both Solomon and the people, when I'm gone, obey God, make sure you build this temple. It's on his heart. Chapter 29 is David's appeal for the people, for the leaders, for the, for the country to give financially for the construction of the temple so that it might be built to the glory of God. After he makes his appeal, then there's a prayer acknowledging God and asking the people to bless the Lord. That's the breakdown of what we'll be looking at today. We're going to look at chapter 29 and the importance of giving towards the kingdom of God. Kingdom giving. I mentioned just a few moments ago all the giving that's taken place over the last couple of weeks here at Ridgecrest. People giving, yes, of their treasure, tithes and offerings, as we do every Sunday but people also giving over and above of their time and their talents to be used of, uh, by the Lord. That's what we're also looking at today. I want to invite you to, to stand with me, if you will. I want to share with you uh, 1 Chronicles 29, a well-known part of this address, uh, verses 10 through 13. 1 Chronicles 29, uh, 10, 13, it said, 10 through 13, it says... Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly, and David said, David begins to pray. Here's a prayer. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, 
And in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Why don't you read that last sentence with me? It's on the screen there. Let's read that together. Ready? And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Our Heavenly Father, on this occasion and every occasion, may we have a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of praise because you are God. You are the creator. You are the sustainer. You are the savior. You are the provider. You are the comforter. You are deserving of all the praise and the glory and the honor. In fact, Lord, if we had hundreds of lives to live ourselves, we could never praise you enough. And so, Lord, today, in these brief moments that we have, may we recognize reasons to praise you. May we determine to be kingdom givers. May we see your kingdom expand on this earth and know that through our faithfulness, our love, and our giving, Lord, that you are at work to bring glory and honor to the name of our Savior Jesus as we pray in his name. Amen. All right, please be seated. Now, I want to say something real quick about giving. Uh, first of all, God is not looking for your money. So you can, so I mentioned money a minute ago. Three people almost took off out the door. So I just want to <laughs> set you at ease. God is not looking for your money. Here's a secret. It's already His. God is looking for your heart. And when God has your heart, and when God has my heart, then we begin to recognize and to act in ways that demonstrate it is all His to start with. It's not about the money. David makes that clear here. And the scripture makes it clear uh, for all of us. So, uh, so, so what we need to, to do today, I want to recognize the, and consider the ministry of kingdom giving from this passage of scripture uh, from David in 1 Chronicles 29. Point out some important principles. First of all, I want you to notice that kingdom giving, not just giving, but giving, recognizing that it all belongs to God and recognizing that, that we have a part to play not to help God out, but to acknowledge God in all that we are. Kingdom giving, first of all, is all about the gospel. It's all about the gospel. Verse 1 of 1 Chronicles 29, David says, The work is great and is for the Lord. That last sentence, you see the last three words, you see that on the bottom of the screen there. It is for the Lord. When we give, when we give of our time, we give of our talent, we give of our treasure, we're faithful to God to be the people of God. We do it for the Lord. For the Lord. It's not about me. It's not for me. It's not about you. It's not for you. But it is all about the Lord. His name, His ways, His purposes are a higher priority than my name and my purposes, your name and your purposes, our name and our purposes. In fact, if we add up the importance of everybody in this room, we would have quite a few impressive credentials. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Wendy. <laughs> and all of those together would not even begin to be a drop in the ocean of who God is. 
It's all about him. The temple that was going to be built was going to be a reflection. It was going to be a reflection uh, of, of God's requirements for worship. We talked about this last week. God's requirements for worship pictured in the temple. The entrance, one and only entrance through Jesus, the door. When you get inside there, there's the, the offering for sin, which is where Jesus died on the cross. There's the washing in the basin, which symbolizes the outward purity that we're supposed to live with our lives. There, there's the going into the holy place where we have the light of the world in the menorah. That's Jesus. The sustenance of life demonstrated in the showbread. The, the prayers of, that we offer up to God demonstrated in the incense. The curtain of separation because of our sin and then the holy of holies where the presence of the ark was the mercy seat that Ann sang about so beautifully just a few moments ago and Ann is worth the second time coming around symbolized outwardly in the building of the temple to reflect God's requirements for worship and those requirements by the way have not changed in fact they've been fulfilled in Jesus, but not only a, a, a reflection of God's requirement, but also the temple that was to be built as a reflection of mankind's obedience to God. Our obedience in giving, our obedience in worshiping, our obedience in understanding what worshiping and entering into God's presence is all about because the work is great and is for the Lord. That's what it says there in verse number one. It's all about the Lord. So, so kingdom giving, first of all, is all about the gospel. Secondly, Kingdom giving is for everyone. Everybody is to be included in kingdom giving. I, I, I want to try to remind you periodically about this, but I want to encourage you today, if you've not heard it before, how important it is for everyone to have a part in giving towards the kingdom. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every person. I can remember when, when I was growing up, we weren't in church. I didn't know anything about giving. When I started going to church, I thought giving was for the old people, the adults, right? And anybody over 30 about that time was an old person in my eyes. But it wasn't for me. I can remember being called by God to go into the ministry and being introduced to the concept that the giving, tithing, offering, the giving of, of what I have been blessed with back to God for a service in His kingdom. I can remember thinking, whoa, they don't pay ministers a whole lot. And how 10% back to God, that's, that's kind of kind of high. And it hit me. I'm, I'm, I'm being very sure it, it hit me. This is, this is now something God, not, not that there's the requirement to it, but there should be the desire to participate in that. And, and in, my, in my 20s, coming to grips with the whole concept of tithing and giving to the Lord and saying, Lord, I trust you to save my soul. I trust you also now to meet my needs. And I trust you in giving back the tithe and the offering. And there was a period in my life where it really was the tithe on the table next to the grocery list, next to the rent, next to the diapers, next to the formula, next to the, you know, you know, you know, right? Amen. You know that? But being committed to it has been one of the blessings of my life to see the supernatural provision of God and the blessing that comes by being a faithful tither and giver to kingdom work, God's Kingdom works. So I'll encourage you in that way, but also recognize that it's, it's important for everyone so that when my kids were little, 
I didn't want my kids to wait until they were in their 20s and be hit upside the, the head with this whole concept of giving and go through what I went through. So, so we began using uh, kingdom principles with our kids when they were small. And every week, my kids received an allowance. It wasn't a gift. It was payment for them doing their part in the household. They were introduced to pick up the toy, put it in the toy box. Here's a quarter. <laughs> and listen... When they figure that part out, the chores get a lot, lot easier, I'll tell you. But my kids, we started following a system that we learned through Crown Ministries of when they got their allowance every week, they were the first 10% went in an envelope and came to church. And they put their, mom and dad didn't just give them a quarter to put in an envelope, they took their money and they returned it back to God. Another part of that went into savings. Another part went into spending. And they learned quickly. If they saved their spending, add it to their savings, some really good stuff could come down the line. But it started with introducing my children at an early age, before they even knew what it was, taking their little envelope and turning it in at church. Because it's not about the amount. It's about the heart. And it's about the act of giving. And it is for everyone. Notice here in, in 1 Chronicles 29. In verse 2, the king gave. The king David himself set the standard and he gave. Verse number 2, so I have provided for the house of my God so far as I was able. Notice, that, that's, a, that's a great sentence there. He says, I've provided. I've done my part. And because I've, I've done this for the house of my God. It's not just the God. It's not just our God. It's not just your God. Who's David talking about? He says, my God. Because I've got a personal relationship with God. This is about my personal relationship with the God of the universe. When God is, seems so distant, so far, and then he's, he's, so, he's so removed from us, and we, we get this concept that he could care less and doesn't even know we exist. But David knew, God knows me by name, and I know God. And I'm going to make provision for this house of God. And notice how he said it there, so far as I was able. God doesn't require of us what we can't do. He doesn't require of us what we cannot do with His help. And he, he promises that He will meet our needs, and He promises us that He will be there with us. Now, now, David, if you read down through that passage, David gave large amounts of gold and silver and bronze and iron and precious stones, and all the people said, Amen, let's say it together. Amen. Aren't you thankful when those that are wealthy give large amounts so that good things can happen? Amen. By the way, I'm not one of those who's able to give those large amounts in that regard. But David set the example. Before encouraging others to give, before encouraging others to be a part of kingdom work, David himself set the example. I think it's important for the pastor to set the example. Don't you think it's important for the pastor to set the example in giving? I'll never forget. In, in having multiple services, I'll never forget a, a person from Ridgecrest who's no longer in this world said to me on one occasion, well, pastor, I notice you don't participate in the offering. Every time the plate goes by, you just stand there. Now, he had every right to say that because every time the plate went by, I just stood there. And so I, what happened was I was giving my offering envelope in the other service. We had three services going on. I couldn't give in all of them, right? So, so I, I just gave in one, and I didn't think about it. So, so I spent a time, I spent a time, a season. I got over it. I spent a season thinking, I need to set the example, so I'm going to give in one of the services, and I'm going to put an empty offering envelope <laughs> in the other service. 
Because I don't want anybody to think that the pastor will preach the message and then not live the message. So I spent a time, I had two boxes of envelopes. One had my name on it, and that's the one we, we turned our tithe in every week. And the other had nobody's name on it because I didn't want them to know what I was doing. <laughs> but I can just imagine those that count the envelope. Every Sunday, blank envelope number 214 came in and no, nothing was in there. Who's stealing the offer? I don't know. I never said a word about it. This is my first confession of it. <laughs> in, in recent days, like many of you do as well, we give now electronically. So I don't have an offering envelope in any of the services, but I, I'm telling you that, that Pam and I are committed. We give at least the tithe through the church for the ministry of the gospel and the building of the kingdom so that when I stand before you and encourage you to be faithful givers to kingdom work, I'm doing that and seeking to set the example. I'm not, I don't give so that I can set that example, but I hope that my giving does set the example. And I don't do so to stand before you to brag about the fact that I'm simply doing what God's called me to do. But I will, I will, I will brag on the Lord and tell you that from an early stage of beginning to commit myself to tithe, I've not missed a dime. And I've been the recipient of untold blessings because of the faithfulness in that regard. So I want to encourage you in that regard. So the king gave, but also notice verses 6 to 8. The leadership gave. The, it mentions the heads of families, the tribal leaders, the commanders, the officers. And then, the, I love this word, whoever. Whoever was there. Everybody came and they had this big assembly. And they all came and brought their offering. And they put it down there uh, with all the other offerings. And, and so, so, so they, they set that example as well. And it was a good amount that came in. And all the people said amen. So on the count of three, one, two, three. Amen. They gave. And all out of that, much was able to be done with the, the building of the temple. That was great. Verses 6 to 8. Then you get down to verse 17. And you see that the people gave. It doesn't really say a lot about what the people gave in regards to the amount that David was able to give and in regards to the amount that the leaders were able to give. Verse 17, it just simply says, I've seen your people, David's praying, I've seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. The key there is that the people were offering. They were offering in the same way that David was. They were offering so far as they were able. And out of what they were able, they gave. And I love how it describes it. How, does, how should we give? Freely and joyously to God. As you give, I hope every Sunday as the offering plate comes by, that, you're, that as you put your offering in there, or if you, put, if you put an empty envelope in there so nobody will think you're not giving, or if you give electronically, or however you choose to give, whenever that happens, I hope that, that you do so freely and that you do so joyously and that you can even in your heart in that moment, Lord, this is for you. This is for you. I'm giving back to you what already belongs to you. In verse 17, it also speaks about doing it from an upright heart. And it mentions here in our giving that God tests our heart. He tests us to determine the uprightness of our heart. The uprightness of our heart is demonstrated by being faithful to what God has called us to do. And in some, for some reason, in God's wisdom, He's chosen to, to test us in the area of our faithfulness and uprightness of our heart, the, the, the faith that we have in Him, by the returning of, of the tithe back to Him. So when we do that, we're demonstrating our faith in our heart, and, and among other things, because there are other scriptural measures of our heart, but one of those measures... Is of our uprightness is in our faithfulness to give to the Lord. Don't you notice, thirdly, that kingdom giving is an act of worship. 
It's an act of worship. It's not, it's not just, you know, somebody, I've talked to people before, and I used to be one of these. I want to be honest with you. I didn't grow up in church. I grew up hearing in my household, all the church wants is your money. And I went through years and years and years faithfully tithing, but, but refusing to preach on the topic of giving because I don't want to offend those who think all the church wants is your money. Now, I've gotten over that. Because I realized that in not preaching about those topics, this topic, that I'm, I'm shortchanging God and I'm shortchanging people who need to be taught about the kingdom. I want, I want to, 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 to read for you some of the verses here in this prayer, in this, in this season of, of David's address, uh, some, some the different verses through here. And, and I want you to notice words of worship, the association and the connection between the giving of the offering and the worship of God. Verse number 3, for example, notice this. David says, Because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God. Notice the key word there, devotion. Giving should be out of devotion. Out of devotion to God. Out of devotion to, to the one who has set us free and whom we love. Uh, notice verse 5. David asked the question, who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself to the Lord? That word willingly is a great act, a great word of worship. Because worship activities that are compelled or routine or not from the heart, God knows those things. God sees our heart. If all we're doing is going through the motions, God knows all we're doing is going through the motions. Whether we're attending church or singing a song or reading the Bible or even giving the offering, God knows the attitude of our heart. And so he says here, who will offer willingly consecrating or separating themselves out for the purposes of the kingdom of God? Great verse. Verse number 9, notice this. Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly, great worship word, with a whole heart, great worship words, offered freely, great worship words, to the Lord. Acts and words of worship. Verse number 10. David blessed the Lord. Now, what, how, do we, how, how do we need to envision our, our giving? Is that by blessing the Lord. Lord, you have blessed me. I want to bless you with more than just my lips. My lips are important. My heart's important. But, but you call for more. So, so David says, he, I bless the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. And now, verse 13, we thank you. Offering and giving the offering should be a, a, an offering of thanks and praise your glorious name. The giving of, of, of the offering is a thank you to God and a praise to God. Lord, this is a way to bless you. Verse 17, I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. Lord, I don't do so out of compulsion. I do so out of worship. Then in verse 20, the last recorded words of David in the Bible. Of all the things he said and wrote, very prolific. These are the last words recorded. Then David said to all the assembly, Bless the Lord your God. I want you to say that part with me. Ready? Bless the Lord your God. Ready? Here we go. Bless the Lord your God. David said, Bless the Lord your God and all the assembly. Bless the Lord the God of their fathers, and bowed their heads and paid homage to the Lord. Now, we don't do this appropriately as Baptists. I want us to work on this. Al, let's work on this a little bit. 
We don't do this appropriately or scripturally. The closest I've seen this is about a year ago when we were on sabbatical. We were at the Brooklyn Tabernacle up in, in Brooklyn, New York City. And the pastor got up. They had sung a song and there was a lot of energy. And the pastor just simply said this. Okay, everyone, let's bless the Lord. And I'm just standing there. I don't know. I mean, I know how to bless the Lord, but what's, what's he talking about? They knew what he was talking about. And somebody was standing there in, in, in a crowd of people, but all alone with the Lord, with their hand raised, eyes closed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glorify you just by themselves. Two or three other people, they were high-fiving how good God is. And others just had their, their, their scripture open and were reading out loud the words of the Bible. Other people were just standing there with their arms open, praying and praising the Lord. And I mean, it was going on across the room. And as soon as I got over how awkward it was for me, I recognized this is good. This is good. And I imagine this is what happened in the assembly. They came together. David encouraged them. They brought their offerings. David prayed. And all of a sudden, the people just said, all right, everybody, bless the Lord. And they just took off and they bowed their heads. They paid homage to the Lord and they blessed him. I want you to notice, fourthly, and I need to, need to get pretty quick here. Uh, kingdom giving, fourthly, acknowledges God. It acknowledges who God is. When you and I are faithful to give in the kingdom way, towards kingdom work, towards the glory of the kingdom of God, not our, not our kingdom, but God's kingdom, when we're faithful to do that, it acknowledges who God is. His position, His provision, His ownership, and His glory. And giving recognizes that it all belongs to God, not just the physical, but listen to this, even the very breath we breathe is what God has given us that we might survive on this earth. Notice verse number 11. I love this part. This, this whole section is wonderful. Yours, O Lord, he's praying here, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. He's just extolling and lifting up and praising God and all that God is. And then he goes on to say, for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. It all belongs to God. None of it belongs to me. I heard a guy say one time he was, he was sweeping up floors, getting the trash up from a construction site, and, and, and all he was going to do is get all the trash off the floor together, sweep it in the, in the big pan or the shovel, and dump it in the dumpster. And he said, even that's not mine. <laughs> even the trash. I don't even own the trash. I don't even own the dust. All of it is God's. That's what David is saying here. It's, it's, all, it's all yours, Lord. Yours is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head above all. Verse 12. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Verse 14. Puts it all in perspective. For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. In other words, David is saying this. Everything we've given you, Lord... <laughs> We're just giving you what you already own. We're just giving you what you already have. Verse 16. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name 
He puts it in perspective. All this abundance, all this display of wealth, all the, if you read the, the ton, I mean, listen, tons of gold. If you have a couple of tons of gold sitting around that you're not doing anything else with, you bring it by, Al and I will make sure it gets to the right place, okay? I mean, you read and you, you convert all the measurements there. It is, a, it is a, a, a boatload of treasure sitting there in their midst. And David says, what all this that we have provided for you, then he puts it in perspective, comes from your hand and is all your own. We're just giving you back what already belongs to you. One of my favorite Christian singers, Matt Redman, has written a song, a worship song. It's called Breathing the Breath. I put the words in the in your worship folder, and, and words will be on the screen. I want to read a couple of the verses from you. Here's how, he, here's how he sings it. We have nothing to give that didn't first come from your hands. We have nothing to offer you which you did not provide. Every good, perfect gift comes from your kind and gracious heart. And all we do is give back to you what always has been yours. Lord, we're breathing the breath that you gave us to breathe, to worship you. You think about our very words of worship, we use what God gave us in order to worship him, which is the very breath of life. And we're singing these songs with the very same breath to worship you. Who has given to you that it should be paid back to him? Who has given to you as if you needed anything from you and to you and through you? Come all things, O Lord. All we do is give back to you what always has been yours. Look out up on YouTube. It's a great, just soft song, prayerfully done, beautiful words. The fifth principle I want to point out is that kingdom giving acknowledges mankind. It acknowledges who God is, but when we give to the, as a king, uh, to the kingdom cause, we're giving, acknowledging who we are as well. Acknowledging that we're nothing and we have nothing, and apart from God, we can do nothing. We can't even exist. Notice verse 14. David says, he prays, but who am I? He's the king. He's got all this gold. And he says, God, who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer willingly? We, we are, we're nobody. Verse 15. For we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there's no abiding. Lord, we're just nobodies. Outside of God, I'm nothing. That's what he's saying here. It reminds me of one of my, one of my new favorite songs. Have you got a favorite song? Amy, you got a favorite song? And if once in a while you get a new favorite song, you just wear it out. You used to say we'd wear it out because it was on a vinyl record and you literally could wear it out. You can't wear out a digital thing on your, on your, on your phone. I, I'm learning that. I'm, I'm glad about that. A new song by Casting Crowns, the group Casting Crowns. And the lyrics go like this. I'm just nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. Isn't that good? I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. Out of who I am, as I give back to God, I'm acknowledging that I am totally dependent on Him for everything. Then lastly, kingdom giving is born out of prayer. Not just giving. You see, a lot of giving is encouraged for the wrong motivations. A lot of giving is given for the wrong reasons. 
giving for the kingdom. Kingdom giving is not because of a guilt trip by a pastor. It's not because of, of trying to attain a certain status and let people know what you do. It's not because somebody's twisted your arm or that it's a ritual or it's an effort to gain favor with God or that it's some kind of an ego thing that you've got going on. That's not kingdom giving. Kingdom giving is a heart issue. And only when we can in the heart level, at the heart level, only then are we able to give as God would have us to give. Verse 18 there of 1 Chronicles 29, David says, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. Here's what's happening. David is praying that the people of God would respond and give for kingdom purposes, but also for kingdom reasons. And he's saying, Lord, sometimes we give for the wrong reasons. And so he's praying here and he's saying, Lord, keep our hearts directed to you. How is, and not, not just that we give. Giving is good, and, and giving can be out of obedience, and that's not a wrong or bad thing, but, but, but you'll never get that heart worship sense when you simply give out of compulsion. So David here is praying. He's saying, Lord, keep our hearts pointed towards you. If our hearts are pointed towards you, giving, kingdom giving will not be an issue. If our hearts are not pointed towards you, then giving is going to seem like it's being, it's being forced on us or our arms are being twisted or, or it's a ritual act or that somehow God needs our money. All those different things come into play when our heart is not directed towards God. So David rightly prays, as all of us should rightly pray individually and as a church, Lord, help people to give willingly and freely and generously and out, and out, of, out of all that you've blessed us with, but help us to do so with the right heart. Let me say it this way. I've heard it before. The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. And more than one person has prayed like I have about the topic of giving and tithing. It would help my heart to be in the right place. Because I will tell you, when I began tithing in my 20s, convicted by the Word and the Spirit, and recognizing, well, if I'm a preacher, I guess I may as well get used to it. I didn't always have the right attitude. When I wrote that tithe check, when I knew that I could put that towards something else that was really needed in my family, I didn't always have the right attitude. But I will tell you, over time, as my tithing has become a worship experience of its own, I can't tell you what a heart issue it is for worship. Well, let me ask you a question. This is just for you. What does your giving say about your heart? And what does your heart say about your giving? Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, this morning I pray that you would remind each of us of your provision of the very breath of life and of the resources you provide for us. I pray that you might remind us, Lord, of your provision to accomplish your purposes. I pray, Lord, you'd remind us of your provision of resources, of a roof over our head, clothes on our back, money in our retirement account, 
a vehicle to drive, food on our table. Lord, you've blessed us so abundantly. And our Heavenly Father, may our giving to you, may it truly be kingdom giving with a kingdom heart. May our giving to you be a blessing of praise and of worship. May our giving to you be a blessing upon your people. May our giving to you be to your glory. May our giving to you, Lord, be out of a heart of worship. May we give of our time, our talents, and our treasure as an offering of praise and worship to you, O God, as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.